0: Hello again and welcome back. Earlier this year, we did a podcast on Betty Eady and her best-selling book, Embraced by the Light. I recently came across an old interview she did years ago about her near-death experience. I thought it might be a nice treat to play parts of that interview on today's program. The following was taken from the television show, The Other Side.
1: To the other side. I'm Dr. Well Miller. <laughs> Embraced by the Light has been on the bestseller list for one year. Millions have been touched by an ordinary woman's moving account of an extraordinary near death experience. Uh, Betty Eady's book uh, is a revealing and surprising exploration of life beyond death. Now, whether you believe her story or not, it has given many an inspirational and comforting message. <laughs> Betty Eady says that when she died, she went into the light and met Jesus. She tells uh, an astonishing story of life beyond death welcome Betty uh, congratulations on the success of your book uh, a very moving story you uh, died after an operation for a hysterectomy
2: yes I did after I had the hysterectomy um, it actually was later on that evening that I experienced my death I died um, from hemorrhage around 9:30 p.m. and uh, I was alone in the room I was not attended by doctors or nurses they actually bedded me down for the evening.
1: So you, you did not have the story we often hear where someone goes uh, out and then are resuscitated. No. no one resuscitated you.
2: No, I was very healthy. I was 31 years old and they expected me to recover perfectly and...
1: How did you know you died? Do you remember the moment you died?
2: I do, very clearly. What happened? Um, I felt my body dying, literally. Um, from the starting from my feet, my hands, creeping up through my body and um, it's a feeling that's very distinctive you know something is extremely wrong Um, and then there was this tremendous sinking sensation Uh, there was a pop and then a movement in my chest and my spirit came up out of my body at my chest ran up to the ceiling and i turned and i looked down and i could see myself lying there on the bed
1: We've heard that kind of experience many yes. times with near-death experiences. Then, then what happened? Go
2: on. Well, I came down for a closer look, and um, I was very, um, not frightened, but I, I think I was disturbed for uh, just being alone in the room. And um, I noticed that there appeared in my room three men that were in a soft, um, a soft glow about them. They stood about two feet above the floor, and um, they explained to me that they were my guardian angels and that, the, that they had always been with me throughout all my time here on earth, but also they had known me when I was in heaven before I came to earth.
1: You've described them in your book as monks. Is that how they appeared as they monks? They appeared
2: to me like monks. They looked like that, or I'd have to say three old men in bathrobes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then what happened? You saw a light?
2: There was a light. And this this was some time later. I actually went home first to see my family um, visiting uh, in my home. I saw my husband and my children. I saw my husband uh, reading the newspaper. My children were were preparing for bed. And there was a strange detachment. Um, I felt as though their lives were perfectly fine without me and that, that it would be okay for me to go on without them. And then I went, back to the hospital and I was drawn up into this black, to this black space by some tremendous amount of force. And it, while I was in this black space, there were others that occupied this space going through a transformation um, much similar to what I was going through. It was very loving and it was very warm uh, and beautiful, but it was a very, very black
1: you weren't frightened in that
2: and no I wasn't I felt a tremendous amount of love there Um, but then I saw a pinpoint of light and I was attracted to that light and I began to move feet first noting for the first time that my that my body I had a a spiritual body and that I had some light in me it was very dim but it was glowing begin to travel towards this brighter light and that brighter light would be compared to perhaps your sun here on the brightest day perhaps by another hundred hundred thousand times if you can imagine it and i just traveled very quickly towards it as i came to the light i could see that it was a being a person that was emanating this light The light was flowing from him. And um, as I got closer, I knew who, who this man was. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, just like I would know a grandfather or a grandmother, I knew that he was Jesus Christ. And I began to rush to him. And I said to myself over and over as I was running, um i'm home i'm home i'm finally home and i never ever want to leave you again almost chastising him for having um had to have this separation from him Um, but he just held his arms out as i ran into them and he held me and he loved me unconditionally and there was a a humorous nature about this man so you had
1: uh, you had I believed was, in in jesus before yes
2: i was raised um, in the catholic uh, boarding schools when I was very young and Protestant as well. So I did believe in Jesus Christ. When
1: people feel, when people hear about these experiences, they, it's it's hard to convey what the feeling is like. I mean, right now, we can all relate to, you're sitting there, we're sitting here, the way it feels to move around in our body. Mm -hmm. How would you describe what that movement was like going through this experience?
2: It was more natural to me than sitting here and talking to you right now, um, in that when you leave this, the physical, and you go back to the spiritual. This, the physical here, it seems dead. It seems non-existent, slow, uh, heavy. In my book, I expl- i when I said I when I came back into the body, it was heavy and clay-like, and that's how it seems here. It is very dull in comparison.
1: Now, how did you know that this being was Jesus?
2: I knew him. I remembered him. It was a recognition. Um, he didn't appear to me with nail, nail prints in his hands or um, any, in any of the familiar ways that we are accustomed to seeing uh, here on earth, such as the pictures. But he appeared to me, um, uh, they explained to me that he appeared in what would be all his glory. Now is it possible
1: that in this state, that because it was part of your background and your belief system, that it would be expected that, say, in your personal case, you would encounter Jesus, and for another person who had a different kind of religious experience, they might encounter the way God would be manifest in their religion. What what is your response to that? Uh,
2: Yes. In fact, I asked about that. It was part of uh, my questioning, you might say, I needed to know. And I learned there that if you, um, you know, if you had another belief system, God would not shock you out of your belief system but that you would ultimately, we all would come to know that God did exist and that Jesus existed as well. But, um, I mean, that we would all be drawn to that knowledge eventually. Well, heaven was absolutely beautiful, Will. Uh, One of the things that I thought was very curious though um, was the large looms that uh, were very archaic, very old looking, and they were weaving uh, material that looked like spun glass or spun sugar. And um, then I was taken to the most magnificent garden. Um, It was very beautiful with trees and flowers of all uh, colors. And the grass was uh, very crisp and very cool under my feet. But I noticed that it, it, it was as though every blade of grass had intelligence. And it was happy that I was walking on it. I know that sounds very um, crazy in a way, but it was wonderful. And um, a flower that I I was particularly interested in was a rose, and I was able to enter into that rose by some strange um, and unusual way, just desiring to be a part of it. I entered in and became a part of it. And as I felt love for this rose, the rose began to expand and literally grew right there with me inside of it and I learned from that that um, as you love things they absolutely will grow not only just physically but they grow uh, in spiritually uh, by that love
1: so you come back and what lesson does that give you as a living person now
2: That um, that that's what it's all about there Jesus said to me that the, our purpose for being here on this earth is to learn to love and that that is one of the most important things um, that if we love one another everything else will be okay
1: You really interviewed Jesus, didn't you? You had questions. (laughs) Yes, I did.
2: Tell us what he told you. I I was so uh, bewildered, I guess, and and confused because of the uh, religious uh, training that I had had. I call it a Heinz 57 because um, I had attended just about every church you could imagine and here I was experiencing my death, experiencing life, if you will, uh, with Jesus, and I had not been taught these things. And so I wanted to know. And uh, he wanted me to know all the answers. And uh, so as I asked him, he gave me what I, whatever I wanted. He let me tap into what is called pure knowledge. And um, so I learned uh, many of the laws uh, that govern us here on this earth.
1: Let's start with the basics. Why why are we here?
2: Why are we here? To learn to love.
1: How has this changed, Betty?
2: When I was 31, I was a woman with a great deal of attitude. Um, I had um, I was raised uh, in such a fashion to where I had a chip on my shoulder. I had a lot of anger, a lot of. Um, Uh, I was very judgmental. I judged everyone for whatever purposes. Uh, I went through what was called a ripple effect. And um, this ripple effect was like a life review, uh, showing that what you do to others is going to come back to you. Not only will the pain that you caused them ripple back to its creator, you, but the pain that that these that others uh, create in in other people because of what you've done to them, that all comes back.
1: Now, you know these are very profound lessons, but you know you know life is hard to do. It uh, is. What? Not what, all
2: people are lovable either. It's, it's very, very difficult, difficult, isn't it? Yes, it is hard to love. So, what help do we have? Uh, I learned that we all have guardian angels, uh, as a matter of fact, I. I had eight. Now I eight? thought eight, and uh, I thought, um, "Am I a particularly tough case?" And um, and no, I am not. Uh, we all have many guardian angels that are around us, and not constantly uh, they're imposing, but um, you may have two or three at one time, and during your deeper, uh, darkest hours, you may have eight or more. And uh, they, can, they do not uh, interfere with your free will, but uh, they try to encourage you to do the right things and always leading you uh, to and directing you towards the, the right things in your path.
1: Do you now, in your sort of day-in, day-out life, have uh, actual spiritual experiences analogous to that? Or was this a one-time thing from which you took all of this?
2: Um, no, when I came back from uh, my experience, um, I came back with a keener sense of spirituality, and um, I often tap in to pure knowledge, not only about uh, e- events coming up, but perhaps people as well.
1: But you're not, you don't have visions routinely now.
2: No, I don't. I did uh, for a while, and to tell you quite frankly, Will, I had to pray that they would stop because they were interfering with my life.
1: It's hard to live a normal it's day. Hard. And yes, day you cannot life.
2: live both worlds. How long were you out of your body, or how long you were dead? Um,
0: yeah.
2: The time uh, was not uh, actually known, but it may have been up to four hours.
1: They, but they never found that out, did they, Betty? They never no, knew for sure. No, because
2: I was left alone. Okay, you said you were up in heaven. Did you see anybody else? Or was it yes, just? I did. I was greeted by what um, they explained to me was like a greeting party that meets us all and many of you, if you've had loved ones that were dying and they might say, oh, here's grandma so-and-so or cousin so-and-so or uncle so-and-so, uh, this is part of their, their, their graduation party or greeting party. As a parent, I find it would be very hard for me to leave my children. How, how did you handle it? You know, I felt the same way because I, I had seven children that I deeply loved and my husband as well. But when I left the hospital and went to see my children and my husband, um, I, I wondered why I didn't have that feeling of despair in leaving them. But I could see into each of their lives and I knew that they were here on Earth with their own agenda and that it would be okay that my, whatever I was needed for in their lives had been uh, taken care of, it was done.
0: Uh, I believe
1: in the spiritual realm also, but uh, I'm wondering how you knew that it was Jesus when uh, the scripture says that Satan can come as an angel of light. Did you ask him, are you Jesus? Or what was it that led you to believe that he was Jesus?
2: Uh, He knew me, he didn't have to say, are you Betty? I knew, he knew who I was, I knew who he was. And um, the love, the tremendous love that I felt there Uh, Satan is a deceiver and a liar, there's no doubt.
0: Hello again, this is The Watchman. Please join us each week for an exciting and inspirational podcast dealing with angel encounters, heavenly visitations, near-death experiences, as well as modern-day prophecies that are relevant to us today. So tune in each week and share it with your friends. After all, they could use a little inspiration in their life, too. That's the Watchman on the Wall podcast, and now you can find us on YouTube.
1: We're speaking with Betty Eady about her near-death experience. You asked Jesus why there is pain in the world. What answer did you get?
2: Uh, yes, I did. Uh, I learned that there's pain in the world because it is part of our the natural growth process, that uh, if we didn't learn pain, we would not learn joy or happiness. And um, so some of us that have probably the greater pain are actually the greater spirits capable of handling um, that additional uh, growth uh period
1: does that go for horribly innocent suffering like the holocaust would come to mind uh, people just victimized in pain
2: yes it does and i know that that is very difficult to understand on the at the earthly level but if you uh, could understand it from the spiritual sense in that uh, the spirit is so much stronger what about people who inflict pain are there negative spirits as well as positive ones angels um most of the when you talk about the people that inflict pain uh, that is basically could be any one of us here in this room and um I learned that these people are just giving back what they have received in life um often it is um even actually uh, genetically coded uh some of the um trends I guess that run through families
1: were you a dysfunctional person yourself
2: well you know no one likes to st- think that, but yes, I, I had my problems, and uh, I was uh, I was a real fighter. I had a very bad temper. I was raised in um, Indian boarding schools, and um, we had to fight, actually, for survival. So you
1: come across as very, uh, <laughs> you know, shy, and actually, there's almost even some sadness that I feel from you.
2: I think what you are probably touching into is, is the sadness for Mr. Stewart, um, because that was a very sad occasion for him and uh, it still touches my heart when I think about it. But no, I'm a very serene person now.
1: You had the best news any human being could ever have in, in a very vivid and real way. Yes. Uh, are you happy personally?
2: Um, I am not fearful and that makes me happy because, um, I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen to a person? You could die, right? I already did that.
1: Do you feel like you're so, a joy-filled person? Do you Yes, have joy?
2: I, I, yes. I look forward to every day because I know it's a new day and I can begin all over again. Yes, Betty, I want to know, did you ever have any religious encounters like this prior to your death experience? I had had a near-death experience actually when I was four years old and it made some impact, I'm sure. Um, But uh, the increased ability for spiritual experiences since my death has it absolutely occurs all the time
1: i want to ask betty uh, what did jesus look like yeah anything like the pictures
2: betty um in in ways yes because they have captured uh emotion that i could could tell that was you know a part of him uh the love in the eyes um but uh the color of the hair the color no he was a being of light but then again um i this was in all his glory rather than his earthly body yes in in the bible it talks about uh people having visions um i'd like to know do you think it's more like could be a dream or a vision as opposed to a near-death experience
1: or is a near-death experience a dream or a vision
2: (laughs) well i think you would have to experience all of these things to know the difference and uh, i'm an avid dreamer i love to dream i dream in color I dream in black and white i always have and uh, i have hallucinated before after a death of one of my daughters i hemorrhaged then and i hallucinated so i know what dreaming and the hallucin uh, what hallucination is Uh, what i experienced was actually heightened awareness and um, so no i wasn't dreaming i did not hallucinate
0: when you were talking to jesus in the light did you feel you had a choice or do you feel you were sent back to this side to spread the word of love to people like us and to people like the captain?
2: Um, he, uh, I didn't want to come back because of his tremendous love for me. It was very difficult. Uh, I actually uh, told him I was not going to come back. but uh, he You said refused I, Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but he's a loving person. And yes, I did. I threw myself down and I said, I'm through with earth and no one here is going to make me go back. Remember, I carried forth that fighting spirit that I had. Um, but he said my mission was not finished. He says, it's not complete, and you need to go back and to do that. Eddie, you said that when you, your spirit left your body, you could look down and see your body. What did your spirit look like? My spirit, um, uh, I'm kind of gonna be embarrassed to tell you this, because before I had my experience, you know, everyone, uh, you look at yourself uh, in a flat image, of, uh, you see a flat image in the mirror. And I, I always felt I was unattractive. And so when I, right after I died and I came down to look at my body, I could see myself in a three-dimensional view or more. And I thought, my gosh, you know, I wasn't so bad looking after all. <laughs> and, um, but, but when I saw myself for the first time in the spirit, the loving part of me, the spiritual part. When you crawl out of your flesh, what you what is left is the love that you have. And at first when I died, I was only seven watts, And then as I was in the love of Christ, I expanded in his love. And then I became a beautiful being of light.
1: So, in very real terms, or in uh, in, in yeah. therapist terms, you had a change in your self-esteem as a result of this experience.
2: Not, no, not just self-esteem, because um, that is definitely a part of it. It wasn't just self-esteem, but I lost my judgmental attitude.
1: Changed your whole it changed, way of living a lot. It changed
2: my whole religious um, belief system as well.
1: What is your uh, What is your mission? What is your, What were you told your mission? I don't. I don't know.
2: Uh, we all have missions. Uh, We're all not to know what they are because uh, I was told that if I knew what my mission was, I would hurry up, rush out, and complete it so that I could get back. Now, I'm a minister
1: myself, and so it's not a big leap for me um, to believe and to uh, be touched by your story. What do you say to people who do not have uh, religious or spiritual um, experience or faith? What do you say to them?
2: Well, Will, I receive thousands of letters from my readers. And many of these readers um, never had a belief uh, in God or any religious belief at all. Uh, They never felt that they had purpose in life. And um, uh, they are absolutely uh, in wonderment, I guess you might call it, uh, after reading the book, because your spirit always knows the truth. It is always tapped in uh, to some degree to this pure knowledge that I mentioned in the book and so when you hear a truth it just sends a chill through you or a warmth but you always know when you hear truth and so this is what these people are saying i've touched into a truth and so i know that i could now go out and find out who god is
1: what about the uh traditional um Religions that are very conservative they have criticized your book what uh, what have people said about your book the religious people said about your book
2: well that's interesting because um, uh, Some people will say well. I've had people come up to me and say uh, well Betty I'm a Christian and and, uh, by dang, your book is no good, and da 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 They've said that, by dang, your book well, is no good? Well, they said, you know, I'm not going to say it. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> even less uh, appropriate language than that. Well, not. you know, I know those other words, too. I'm just yeah. not going to use just them. Just not
1: used to hear them, yeah. I'm a Christian, by gum, or whatever. Yeah,
2: yeah. And uh, so basically what I have said to them is, you know, if you have to approach someone and say, I'm a Christian, or, for instance, if you have to have a tag that says, mean dog, then obviously... You're not what you think you are.
1: So according to your uh, comment, then, when I said, as a minister myself, you're right. basically accusing me of not really feeling like a minister, <laughs> is basically what that is. I'm teasing. <laughs> Betty, you, you did not start out to be an author. I mean, this, this was a, a chronicle no. of this experience. N- here you are now, uh, lived, uh, I wouldn't want to say an ordinary life, but an anonymous life. Um What is it like now? You're a best-selling author. Life has changed. What's it like for you now?
2: Well, it's really strange because, no, I I did not start out to be a best-selling author, author, nor had I written anything but a a few short poems before I wrote the book. And when my publishing company called me and said, Betty, uh, hooray, hooray, you are on the New York Times best-selling list. And they were very up, and I said, good, good, good. And then I said, what's that? You know, I didn't know. I didn't know what a best-selling list is. Um, I knew that the book was going to be tremendously successful because I was simply told that the book was going to cover the world, uh, literally, and it is. It's and being translated into it's other languages? A, yeah, 21 languages. What's it like?
1: Uh, you've, you've gotten rich. What about the money? Has that changed you?
2: Um, everyone asks me about the money. They have a great curiosity for the <laughs> money that I earn. And it's interesting because God's given everyone gifts. There's no one here in this room or anywhere else, that even you, that he hasn't given you a gift to use. And you use your gift to make money as you are right now. And so I'm not gonna be the first in line when you get your paycheck to see if you've given that all back to God. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that all I write this book and people want to know what I've done with my money. <laughs> my gift that God gave me is no greater than the gifts that he gives them. But um, but I will tell you that I have a great interest in the Native Americans. I am one. And uh, I am providing scholarships. Uh, I don't say that to brag. I say that because I guess if there are any Native Americans, I encourage them uh, in their education. There are other things that I'm going to do. Um, and so, uh, yes, it, it's different. You know, someone says, how does it feel to be famous? I don't know, I, I've never been. I don't think of myself famous, I always thought a famous person was someone that floated down the Riviera and drank those drinks with those little umbrellas on it. And I haven't done that yet, so I guess I'm not famous, I don't know.
1: Tell us about what it was like when you re-entered, your (laughs) re-entry.
2: That was very difficult because I didn't want to come back. you know, I can sit here and, and, and be playful with the experience uh, because um, I was actually told by Jesus to lighten up. I was too intense of an individual. Um, but when you talk about the reentry, I suddenly feel pangs of, um, of uh, I guess, despair that I remembered that I felt back then because I didn't want to come back to an earth that I felt was not loving, and um, when, but I knew that I wanted to please God. And so as I came back to the body, and I looked at myself, I knew I had to quickly get back in, or I'd change my mind. And so when I crawled back into my body, it was the most, um, most devastating thing ever to my spirit. My body felt cold, it felt damp, it was clammy. Uh, in the book, I said it's like it's like taking coveralls and dredging them through the mud and then ca- uh, having crawled out of a clean shower and then pulling these on. And that's how I felt. It felt dirty and heavy and weighty. But um, I would, in the body now, I feel restricted and restrained and held back. Um, but I would not, ever, and this is why I know Captain Stewart isn't going to do this either, because I'm going to talk him out of it, Mm -hmm. but I would never, and I would talk anyone out of committing suicide to have this kind of an experience, because it might not happen for you.
1: you. In the book, you mentioned a ballerina spirit. Tell us about that.
2: The ballerina was a spirit that I had met while I was in this heavenly place uh it was a beautiful um female spirit and um later years later i this beautiful spirit i knew uh came into my life as my adopted daughter and um, the vision that was the image that was given me um, how i would recognize her is that um, she would crawl up on my husband's toe and with a lift of the back of her other foot, like a ballerina, she would dig into his pocket. And um, when my adopted daughter was two years old, she did just that. <laughs> and I knew that, that I had indeed made that contact with the spirit that I was bonded to previous to this life.
0: Are you looking for a good quality used car, but don't want to pay an arm and a leg? Well, come into Rainy Used Cars. We have the largest selection in the Southeast. Whether you want a pickup or a quality SUV for mom, you'll find a variety of vehicles to choose from. We even finance. So come in today. You'll find a Rainy Used Cars located near you. Are you interested in scary places? Well, I found a great podcast called Your Haunted Holiday. Each week, sisters Lisa and Lindsay will take you to some of the most haunted places in the world. Their incredible research into how these places became haunted is complemented by their insight into the ghostly activities that are present. They give you information on ghost tours, prices, and much more. That's Your Haunted Holiday, you can go to yourhauntedholiday.com or just listen to wherever great podcasts are found.